This week we are we're uh, back into this three-part series we're doing very briefly on what we consider the main thing at the Refuge Church, which is Christ healing community. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you can hear, a lot of mottos that that you can create, but. We chose Christ healing community very specifically because I think it represents us well. Um, Christ, um, as was preached on last week, we see Christ as the center. Um, my dad said, you know, God, when, when Christ came, God put all his eggs in one basket, which basically meant that, that God wasn't making like a plan B, C, D, like maybe all of the above for how you want to come into relationship with God, that you come into relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And he read this uh, Christ's creed that you find in the book of Colossians, which is beautiful. And I'll, I'll also read that for you guys so you can remember. In Colossians 1, it says, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. And so that's why the main thing of our church starts out with Christ, right? It wouldn't really be worthwhile to have something else first. If you have something that, if you have someone who created all things and all things are for him and for his glory, right? So Christ, we're moving this week into healing and and that's where we're going to land. If you'd like to turn with me to Matthew 11, that's where we're going to be, and I'll just pray for us. And um, man, as we've just prayed so much today already, I I ask that um, that God would be preaching, and that that myself along with you guys can just be here to receive it. Um, and I also ask as I preach that you guys would pray for me. I'm feeling pretty weak this morning. I'm actually uh, it's weird. I I was sick all week, and I expected to be super strong today, but I'm feeling a little queasy. So if I fall down, that's okay. Um, I'm just joking. I won't. I'm not that queasy. Um, but pray for me as I preach, because I, I do feel like I need that. So um, pray for me, and I will pray also. Oh God, I I loved singing with all these people. I loved hearing um, and participating just as Pat prayed earlier. Um, God, often I get the opportunity to talk, but, but I've just been longing to receive. And I, I pray this morning, um, as I get the opportunity to open your word and speak about it, God, that, that I can hear your voice. That those who have gathered here can really Come to see you. Come to see Jesus who created everything and that everything is for him and for his glory. That maybe some doubts or, or disbeliefs that we've brought with us can just kind of be shed today. And we can become a people that just love you and believe wholeheartedly in you. I praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew 11. If you are in the Bible reading plan with us, you actually read this passage this week. Matthew 11, verses 1 through 6. 
After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison that Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who has come, or should we expect someone else? John replied, Go back and report to John what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. So, this time of year, you have people separate themselves, even if they're on the same team, into groups. And what I mean by this is you have people who elevate themselves as true fans in opposition to those who are what we call bandwagon fans, right? Nate probably owns a bandwagon fan title. The, the true fans are those who have memorabilia that their wives have wanted to throw away for a long time, right? And they're holding on to that. Like in 1968, this team was good, <laughs> And, and they're just holding on to the dream, and finally that dream is actualizing, right? In such a way that they are, they're like, look, all along my faith was putting something real, right? Jake's holding on to the bills, right? And he tells me, he's like, when the bills go to the Super Bowl again, I, and when it, he's like, people will know I have been faithful, and, and then there are those who, you know, <laughs> this year are like, okay, there's this number three, and, I, you know, it's, I like the colors, and people are excited, so I'm, I'm going to buy the jersey. And, and they really embrace it for the time being because there's this big, you know, there's this big hoorah about it. And, and the fact is, Jesus has both true fans... I'm using the term fan lightly here. Uh, And he has people that are, I guess we'll use the word followers. It's better than fans, right? He has true followers, people who truly believe, people who have truly been with him, and those who who at times are just part of the hoopla, right? People are like waving palm branches, and they're like, Hosanna, right? We'll get on board with this. And in John the Baptist, you find someone who's a true, committed follower of Jesus. He was actually the forerunner, right? He was the one who, before Jesus even went on the national stage, John the Baptist was the one saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Like, Jesus is the one. Okay? So, so prior to anyone else acknowledging Jesus, John is acknowledging Jesus. Before it was cool. And... What we find here, and this, so that, that setting is powerful for the, the setting we, we, we find here, which is John is in prison, and he sends his followers, those who've been following John, to Jesus to ask him, are you really the one? So John is coming to the point where he is, He's having a dark night in his soul, right? He's, he's wondering, have I lived my life 
in vain? Have I, have I put all my energy towards something that, that has proven to be false? And, and this is a very serious thing. I think, I think in all our lives, we've maybe come to this, and maybe it's not because we're in prison like John. It could be, you know, I think of my dad who's been for two weeks sick, right? Three weeks now sick. Um, you know, something like that where all of a sudden you start going, um, I've thrown my whole life into something. And, and all of a sudden you start thinking, and it's, it isn't an indictment upon character, Right? The Bible isn't sharing this about John because the Bible continues. Jesus even goes on and starts praising John after this. It's this, it's this point where he is, he's questioning whether or not he has actually lived his life for something, for someone that is worth giving your all for. And this is a very, very powerful question. And Jesus, in response to this question, says this, go back and report to John what you've heard and seen. And I say, I want you guys to think as I read the rest of this, would this make me feel, if I was John, would this make me feel this is worth it? Okay, John in prison receiving this message. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. John's given his whole life for this thing. And the disciples, his disciples, come back to him and share this with him. And is that enough to make John, this imprisoned man, say, yes, it is worth it. And, and what should put us on the edge of our seats is this, is, is that God's call to you Jesus has called to you, come follow me, right? Take up your cross, walk with me, that he's calling you to nothing less than that, right? And so, so is this response to John, is it even something that we hear and we go, yes, it's worth it, it's worth following Jesus with my all. And for John, for John, I believe it completely was. And the reason is this. That John, like the song we sang earlier, Be Thou My Vision, right? John's one focus, his focus, his whole life, was that the kingdom of God would come. And we get this beautiful insight into the life of John. John has a character like few other people you will ever, ever meet. And it's beautiful. In John 3, when Jesus' ministry is really picking up, and people say, John, you know, aren't you, aren't you concerned because Jesus is getting more popular than you are? And John responds to that by saying this. He says, a man can only receive what is given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ. So John was certain of one thing. John was certain that he wasn't the Savior of the world, but that, that he wanted to point people in that direction because salvation wasn't found in him, he knew. But salvation was found in the Savior. He said, The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him in full joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. He must become greater and I must become less. So John's focus, John's one perspective. This is, is like, this blows me away. I love this guy. Because... <laughs> 
Because he's like, I have been the person. He's like, I'm not the one getting married. But, but he's like, <laughs> but it's like, I am the friend of the one getting married. Right? I'm the friend of the bridegroom, Jesus. When, when Jesus comes, he's like, I'm just so excited to hear his voice because I know what's going to happen with that. And so he goes, so what must happen is I must become less and Jesus must become greater. The Savior must become greater. And so when, when John is asking, is it worth it? And he says, are you the Savior? When I became less and you become greater, was I exalting the right person? And so when Jesus shared, well, the blind are receiving sight, the lame are walking, right? The poor are receiving the gospel. Why he was excited about this is because what he heard in that was Jesus saying what was prophesied about a long time ago in Isaiah and Malachi and Jeremiah, all these other places. He goes, this is what's actually going down. So if you turn to Isaiah, I'll show you what I'm talking about. I'll let you in on the secrets of the Old Testament. Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 6, it says, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. If you turn to Isaiah 60, 61, verses 1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release for the dark, from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of the vengeance of our God. So we have this, this incredible fulfillment, right? Where, where we just hear, okay, people are getting healed, and that's exciting. What John's hearing is, is the kingdom has come. Right? So it's not just an excitement over, over people being healed. But the excitement of John is that the kingdom of God has finally come upon the earth. And so his focus... What is worth it for him is finally happening. I think one thing for us that's challenging is that that maybe our focus isn't the focus of John. Right? So John could hear in prison that the kingdom had come. And in prison, he said, yes, that's worth it. Where where for us, our focus is so built upon usually the successes of our situations or our own kingdoms or things like that. The, The focus, the goal, the worth of it all isn't the kingdom of God. And so when John heard the kingdom has come, he said, he said, Awesome. (laughs) That's what I was wondering about. So what does this have to do with healing? Well, what this has to do with healing is that our goal as a church in Christ's healing community is that when people come 
to the refuge church, they will get the sense that the kingdom of God has come. And what does that mean when the kingdom of God has come? Well, it means that, that people are getting healed, right? Do, do people go, come to church because I see marriage is getting restored, right? Because people are getting prayed for and they are getting healed, right? Because people are struggling with addictions and they're actually overcoming those addictions. People have lived in loneliness and they're coming into community, right? <laughs> That's the kingdom of God. And so you're going, come because the kingdom, and you go, is it worth it? And you go, yeah, it's worth it. Of course it's worth it. Look, healing is happening. And that's what we look for. That's what we long for. And so when people are, when we go and they go, when people go, is Jesus there? Is Jesus really Savior? What they're asking is, is has the kingdom come? And can we say as a people, yeah, the kingdom has come. But the, the, the thing is that you don't just come and watch to see if the kingdom comes. It's not a spectator sport like, oh, oh, Daniel's up there and he waved his hand. Someone got healed their liver over there, right? No, it's not just that. As if you watch me bring the kingdom to you. No, it's, it's us as a people together seeking the face of God, right? praying that God would use us to see his kingdom come on earth as it, as it, and his will be done as it's done in heaven, right? And, but the problem is that, that we, we still, and this isn't an indictment as much as it's just a, a call to, to come together. You know, we still wrestle with worldliness like, you know, like people who aren't seeking the kingdom do often. And and then we come and we're like, where's the kingdom? And yet we haven't sought it. See, John could even ask about it because John was somebody who sought the kingdom, who said, I'm going to become less so that he can become greater. And he invested in that. With that investment, he did get to see and participate in an incredible way in the coming of the kingdom of God. So the church is a people who have come to believe wholeheartedly in the person of Jesus Christ that by his life, death, and resurrection, there is true freedom, true freedom for people who come to him. That God does not look at his church as a people of screw-ups, but God sees them as children who have been adopted into his family, who are righteous, not because they are righteous, but because he is righteous and he has given them his righteousness. And the opportunity to walk in freedom together. And that's powerful. So do we walk in freedom together is the question. Or do we follow the pattern of the world and then go, well, where's the kingdom? So, Will we seek him together? As I, as I thought through this, I, I thought of the example of Peter, right? Who, who had walked with Jesus for three years, and then and at the moment where Jesus you know, needed support the most, Peter denied him three times. We're familiar with the story. Three times he was asked, do you know him? No. 
Well, I saw you with him. Oh, I, didn't, I never spent time with that guy. Right? And, and, and I thought of that as I, was, as I was preparing this, going, how often are we like that? Do we find opportunities where we're at that crucial moment and someone's like, do you know him? And yet we don't associate with him. We don't walk with him. We don't, the spirit of God and the kingdom of God coming upon the world isn't our passion in such a way that we're like, yeah, I know him, right? So how do we not deny him, but share in him in such a way that he can become greater and he might, that we might become less and we can see his, his kingdom come. There is um, a phrase that captures this. It was the founding mission statement of Hope in Christ Ministries, the Coffee Oasis. And it is this. And we still believe it 100%. It says this, For God's glory and our joy, we are eager to demonstrate the simplicity and sufficiency of Christ to transform hopeless lives and communities by bringing the hope of Christ to the pain on the streets. Let me read that again. For God's glory and our joy, we are eager to demonstrate the simplicity and sufficiency of Christ to transform hopeless lives and communities by bringing the hope of Christ to the pain on the streets. The way we do this as a community, and you can see it if you come in here throughout the week, is, is we are passionate about seeing the kingdom of God come and and, and we've kind of focused on different areas. We want to see transformation in this community, economically, socially, spiritually, right? So we have a church, and we want to preach the true gospel. We want to invite people. We believe in the, the priesthood of all believers, and what that means is it's not you just go, hey, come, because Daniel's going to tell you about Jesus on Sunday morning, but it's that you go out, and you know Jesus. And that's the exciting part, is they don't have to come hear it from me. They can hear it from you. Right? That's cool. And so, so you're empowered and you go and you tell people about Jesus. right? Why? And you're going, well, because come. Because the kingdom of God has come. And he can, he can heal you. Right? And that's powerful. So, so spiritual transformation, the, the, the church we have here, the Refuge Church, we want to really invest in that. We want to worship together, not just as a, the Disneyland of your week, but as a, as a time to refresh you and encourage you so you can go out and just, and not be the one, not to be the Peter that denies, right? But be the Peter who later proclaims, right? And gives his life for that. Social development. What does that look like? Well, we have youth programs throughout the whole week here, right? They're invested in, in kids. Right? We want them to know that they have a hope and a future, right? And so we invest in that. Half the staff of the Coffee Oasis just works with kids, right? Economically, right, is businesses, it's training youth, but also just being stability. And some of you are very involved in businesses, right? Helping you see that your business can be run to the glory of God, that's very exciting. So, so what can we do? So my encouragement is this. Become involved somehow, Right? Don't just show up. The reason why, why we're starting the year saying Christ healing community is so you see that Christ is the center and Christ is the Savior and Christ does heal. But we're a part of that together. You can't just come and go, 
Well, do something. You have to come be a part of it and pray with us. You know, we, we sang the song earlier, Hosanna. It says, you know, we're on our knees. <laughs> Hosanna, right? It's not this, oh, I just show up and sing Hosanna. It's because we've sought his face. And so when we see him come, we're ready for his appearing, right? And then we're a community. We do that together. Become a part of it, guys. Find out a way to do it. Whether that's, you know, helping set up on Sunday morning or becoming a part of a community group or helping mentor kids throughout the week or whatever that is. Find a way to be involved and be invested. And the goal of that is that we can be a people that can say, come and see the work of the Lord. Amen? <laughs> Come and see the work of the Lord. So when John sent his disciples to Jesus and said, are you the real one? And, and Jesus just said this, what do you hear and what do you see? And they can hear and see the work of the Lord. Okay? Pray with me and then we'll worship some more. God, thank you for the strength to preach. I thank you that you are alive and present. God, I ask as, as you are calling us even right now to come and to follow, that we will say yes and we will come. God, give us courage. Make us brave in doing this. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.